Before uh, I get into what I want to talk about today, I'd just like to make a couple of um, observations, first of which is I despise allergy season <coughs> it, um, every year at this time. So I'm praying, God, take my allergies away. The sooner the better. Um, okay. Um, I also want to say, you know, we, we had such a great time yesterday with our prophetic seminar with Micah and his whole team. Um, it was just, it, it was a wonderful time. One of the things that God's been doing with me is dealing with me, and this has been a process of the last few years, and actually I keep revisiting it every so often, but in per particular the last uh probably two, three years, and that is dealing with me about boxes. Boxes, you know, that, that, you know, whether it's me putting God in a box or whether it's me uh, uh, putting myself in a box, and I've learned that I don't think God likes boxes. He doesn't like them. He doesn't like us to put him in one. He doesn't like us to put ourselves in one. Um, but something that, that, uh, a thought that came to me because I'm, a thought that just came to me like recently, um, in thinking this outside of the box thing, and that is that putting or taking God outside of a box does not mean that anything goes. Okay? I mean, we have his word. We have his word. We, we you know, he's not going to violate that. So, taking God outside of a box does not mean that anything goes. What it does mean is that this. I cannot nor should I try to dictate to God what he can do, how he can do it, or through whom he can do it. Those things are totally up to his sovereignty. He can do anything he wants. He can do it any way he wants. And he can do it through whomever he wants. If he wants to speak through a donkey, he can speak through a donkey. If he wants to speak through me, he can speak through me. Don't take that any farther. <clears throat> so, all right. Uh, but no, we had, a, we had a great time with uh, Micah and the team. Um. He definitely blows out the box. But one thing I know about him that, you know, from talking to him and getting, getting to know him through the School of Prophetic Ministry that we've been doing here and uh, uh, through, you know, Zoom I had with him and so forth and, and just following him. As I said yesterday, he's the real deal who loves Jesus with all his heart. He has a passion for bringing friends to Jesus. Not meaning getting all his friends coming, but meaning 
bringing people to become Jesus' friend. And he has a passion for that all of us would develop an intimacy with Jesus. And that's the thing that I love. I've seen a lot of other prophetic ministries, some very good, some... Anyway, um, but I've never seen anybody quite like Micah. He is unique, and his passion for intimacy with Jesus is very, very rare. So uh, let's pray. Father, I ask that uh, as I speak this morning, that you would help me to share what you've put on my heart. Help me to share your heart with us this morning. We open our ears, we open our, our, our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, use me, Lord. Amen. <coughs> For the last several weeks, we've been focusing on preparing our hearts in preparation for Easter. You know, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, an event through by, you know, the likes of which there has never been anything else. Nothing compares to Jesus Christ rising and walking out of that tomb on the third day. Uh, the most astounding and amazing event in history. And we've been, pre been preparing our hearts in preparation for the, the day on the church calendar when we especially celebrate. We celebrate every day. But we set one side a day specifically to commemorate and celebrate that, and that is Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Um, and we prepare our hearts, you know, in a variety of ways. There's so many different ways that we can prepare for that. Uh, first, we, we, we step back and take a pause, and then we reflect on, uh, our, uh, on our lives. And when I say we reflect on our lives, I'm not just talking about self reflection. You know, I'm not talking about navel gazing. I'm not, you know, it includes a self-reflection. It's, 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 but it's also, it's a time to invite the Holy Spirit to come in, excuse me, and examine our lives. Holy Spirit, come in and examine my life. You know, take a look at me. Is there anything here that you want to change? And if so, then help me change it. Um, and hopefully we've been doing that for the past several uh, uh, weeks during this season of Lent. Uh, it's an important part of the process because, you know, we have a tremendous capacity to fool ourselves. We have a tremendous capacity to uh, 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 fool ourselves and think we're okay when we're, you know, there's, we're really not where we should be. Uh, but we can never fool the Holy Spirit. And the, the neat thing is, is when we allow him, when we invite him in to do that, he will gently and lovingly show us where our lives are not aligned to his heart. And then he will help us to make the changes that we need to make. So as believers, I mean, that's what we want. We want to be aligned with Jesus Christ. We want to become like him. We want Christ formed in us. That is what we are here for as believers. We are here for Christ to be formed in us. And now we also prepare our hearts through, you know, various spiritual disciplines. And we've talked about some of these, you know, prayer and fasting and worship. We've talked about all of that. Uh, we've also talked about, 
you know, how to, last week was how to, how to find God in the desert places in our lives. You know, because we all go through those times when we're in desert places, desert seasons in our lives. How do we find God during those times? Today, as we get closer to Easter, I want us to look at a passage that always makes me pause and think. Every time I read it, I find myself asking, what if, or if only. So let's go ahead and read it. It's in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 41. Hot water for the throat, yes. Helps cut through my allergies. Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, knowing what's going to take place in a matter of days. He approaches Jerusalem, and, and we pick up in verse 41, which says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in, for, in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. And we saw that take place, you know, with the fall of Jerusalem, um, I think in, in 70 A.D. We saw that take place. And then it says in verse 40, or, yeah, 44, they will crush you in the ground, your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place. Because you did not recognize it when God visited you. These four verses, I think, would be good for all of us periodically to just sit with them sometime and think about them. Sit with them and meditate on them. Sit with them and just look at them and, and let them speak to you. This morning I want to talk about, begin with three things that we see in this passage and the first thing we see, what's evident right off the bat when I look at it, is the incredible love that Jesus has for us. His incredible love for us. Let me draw your attention to verse 41. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city again or, uh, ahead, he began to what? Weep. He began to weep. How many times in Scripture does it say Jesus weeps? Do we see Jesus weeping? When Lazarus died, Jesus wept. And here, I don't know. I mean, we've seen a lot of times where he was moved com with compassion. and that. I don't know of any other times where it says that he actually wept. But as he looked out over Jerusalem, he wept. And he wept because as he looked at all the people just going about their daily lives, his heart was broken over them. His heart was broken. It's his love for people that brought him to tears because he knew. He knew where they were and he knew what lay ahead for them. He knew the pain that was going to come their way. He knew the, the difficulty that was going to come their way. And he also knew that it didn't have to be that way. If only they had recognized the kingdom of God that Jesus brought to them. You know, Jesus had been proclaiming the kingdom of God is here. Doing all kinds of wonderful works in their midst. He would brought them teachings from the, from the heart of the Father. 
and yet they just didn't get it. They missed what was right in front of them. They did all these wonderful works, all the things he taught, and yet they just didn't get it. Not even the disciples got it. They missed so much. I think it's Mark. If you look at the book of Mark, as you read it sometime, up until about Mark 8, about halfway through the book, you see that the disciples were absolutely clueless about Jesus. They were clueless. <laughs> After that point, they started to get a clue. It's very fascinating. As you study the book of Mark, it's like up to about halfway, they, they, they really were not clued in to, to, to much at all. After that, they started to get more of a clue. It, it, they didn't ever fully get a clue until the resurrection. <coughs> but it's a... Uh, anyway, that's, that was just a side thought on that. But they, they, the, the, the people, the God's people, they didn't get it. He did everything he could for them, and they still weren't getting it. So his heart was broken, and he wept for them. If only they knew. If only they recognized you know, how often have you and I, you know, wished that we could make someone that we love just wake up and see the truth that's right in front of them? I mean, we can see it, but they can't. And we wish we could just take hold of them and say, wake up. Don't you realize, don't you recognize this? I know a man, a friend who was going through a, a, a divorce a number of years back. Um, his marriage was having some issues and he met a woman online and, and started talking to her and he, now he was leaving his wife for this, you know, other woman and, and that, and, you know, everyone, and I mean, everyone in his life was telling him, you're making a huge mistake. Think about what you're doing. Don't do this wake up. Everybody was, was telling him. His pastor was telling him that. His family was telling him that. His friends were telling him that. I was telling him. I mean, everybody. But, you know, he continued to go the route he was going. And then shortly, I will never forget, I remember this phone call. I remember it was in the evening. It was in our, our former house. I was out on the front porch. I remember this phone call that, that night when he called me a short while after the divorce, and he said, what have I done? He said, what have I done? Everybody tried to tell me. Everybody tried to warn me, but I wouldn't listen. You know, we all tried to get him to understand what was, because we could all see what was happening, but he couldn't. Very painful. Very painful. Back to this passage, though. In addition to showing us the depth of love that Jesus had for people, it also shows us that God is moving even when we don't recognize it. We see that, right? I mean, for three years, Jesus walked among the people. 
He walked among the people proclaiming the arrival of the kingdom of God, demonstrating his power over sickness, over death, power over, over uh, demons, power over the forces of nature, de- demonstrating all his authority and power. And, you know, the people heard him teach with authority. They heard him teach with wisdom, unlike anything they had ever known. And yet, as he looked out over the city and wept, he said, you did not recognize it when God visited you. Or you did not recognize the time of your visitation. It, I mean, I think about that. And I think after hundreds of years of anticipating the arrival of the Messiah, looking forward to it, after prophecies were given that says when he shows up, he's going to do these things. He's going to give sight to the blind. He's going to make the lame walk and all these other things. And then Jesus comes and he does all of those things. And he calls people to follow him. He calls them to something better than they were living. He says, you know, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. All the things that Jesus did for them and wanted to do for them. And in spite of all this, they missed it. They missed it. They didn't recognize that this was the time where God had come and was visiting his people. This was the time. brings us to the third thing that we see there is a time to respond to God and that time is now that time is today Jesus spent three years in public ministry preaching the kingdom healing the sick casting out demons calling people to follow him and all this three years think about a three-year period Three years, kind of a long time for something when, you, when you're in something. April 2019 was almost three years ago, or three years before our lives. Are, 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 um, April 20, no, get my dates right. April t- 2019 was almost a full year before our lives were turned upside down. So from April 2019 until today, it's been three years, right? Think of all that's taken place in the last three years. What all's gone on in our lives? What all's gone on in the world? A lot has happened. So many things have happened in this world. Well, think of the three years of Jesus' ministry and how much was packed into that they had three years to watch him three years to listen to him but after three years of ministry Jesus looks over Jerusalem and says how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace and he says but now it's too late that last phrase but now it's too late I mean, God is gracious to us. He's given us so many opportunities, so many chances, called us so many times. I think it's safe to say that, that, that all of us here, you know, most of us didn't respond the first time that God called our name. 
but he kept calling in his patience, in his long-suffering, in his graciousness. He kept calling us to him, calling us to respond to him. For many of us, God had to call our name over and over and over, multiple times before we surrendered and said, yes, God. We've benefited greatly from God's patience, but there will be a time when the time to say yes is over. When if we haven't said it yet, we no longer have an opportunity. Now we might think, I've got plenty of time. And whether it's we're talking about giving our lives to the Lord or, or anything else that he's, that he's calling us to do and we're just putting him off and, and you know putting him off, we might think, I've got plenty of time. Well, that's true until it isn't. Think about that. That's true until it isn't. You've got time until you don't. There will be a time when we've turned a deaf ear to God for the last time. And that's a sobering thought. I'm, th- I'm thinking, okay, God, what... Eh, Am I saying no to you in an area? What, what is it? 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, in the, day, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. When God's favor is on us, that's when it's time to respond. While his favor is still on us. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to respond to God with, yes, Lord. Today. What has he been speaking to you? What has he been speaking to me? What has God been doing in our lives? Are we aware of what he's doing around us, in our circle of influence, in the world around us? Are we aware of what he's been doing? Are we aware of what he's been calling us to? Have we heard the whisper of a still small voice? I don't want to just sit on my seat and go by day by day just I want to hear his voice. I want to hear what he's speaking to me. I want to hear what he's calling to me, calling me to. And I want to say yes to it. I don't want to put off ever responding to him. Because I have no guarantee I'm going to have another chance to say yes. Now, there are several reasons we can miss his visitation. Several reasons. We can, we can miss the time when he's coming to us and calling us and drawing us. One is that we're too caught up in the busyness of our own lives to see what he's doing right in front of us. God can be moving right in front of us. This is how it is in, in Luke 19. God is moving right in front of them, and yet they missed it. They didn't see it. They, they, you know, they just weren't paying attention. Sometimes we just don't pay attention. Have you ever been watching TV and somebody asks you, now, what'd they just say? Or, or what just happened? And you, I don't know. I missed it. 
and you hit the, the, the you know, reverse button, the rewind button to go back and say, oh, how did I miss that? That was a key thing in the whole plot. You know, but you're spacing it. You're not, you're not looking for it. My mom and dad were at um, the baseball game where Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record. Yeah, cool. Wouldn't you love to have been there? I hear the stories about, you know, Babe Ruth, and then here Hank Aaron, this young upstart, comes along and breaks his, his uh, home run record. Anyway, they were at that game. My dad didn't see the hit. He missed it. He missed it. You know why he, was, he missed it? I think it was a Twinkie, actually. Well, he, it's, it's like this. They brought a bag of some snacks, and he was, instead of looking at the game, he was reaching down to get a Twinkie for my mom. <laughs> no, it was for her. Got a Twinkie. I, I'm pretty sure, I, I thought it was a hot dog, but I'm pretty sure it was a Twinkie now because he wouldn't have had a bag full of hot dogs sitting there. And I do remember a Twinkie in the story somewhere. It's been years since he's told me the story. But he was reaching down for a Twinkie to give to mom. Crack. Home run over the, over the wall. Wow. Yeah, costly Twinkie, yeah. He missed it because he wasn't looking. It's a good thing he loved my mom so much. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, I mean, he said something. He didn't resent it. I mean, he, he loves my mom. So anyway, another reason that, you know, is, is, you know, that while we're looking for God to move, he's not doing things the way we think he should be doing them, or he's not, he, he's not doing the things we think he should be doing, or he's not doing things the way we think he should be doing. In other words, we're looking for the wrong thing. We're looking for A, and he comes as B. We're looking for this, and he does this. Uh, you know, the Jews were looking for a powerful warrior king to come and conquer their enemies. Jesus came, the Messiah came, as a humble servant who hung out with the wrong kind of people. They were so intent on looking for the Lion of Judah that they missed the Lamb of God when he went by. It's important to understand something. God has a plan. He knows what he's doing and how he's going to do it. And he doesn't check with you and me first to see if that's okay. He's never come to me and said, hey, Dave, I'm thinking about doing this. Is that okay? Is it okay if I do this? No, it's either, Dave, this is what I'm doing. You know, get on board with it, you know, or get left behind. This is what I'm doing. Sometimes or often he likes to work outside the box that we put him in. So we can miss God's visitation because we're not looking for it or we're looking for the wrong thing in the wrong places. Um... Kind of like the old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. You know that song. Third reason we can miss the time of his visitation is that there's too many distractions. We've got a lot of distractions in our lives. Other things that grab our attention and, and, and you know, 
distract us. The parable of the soils. In the parable of the soils, the father, or, or, excuse me, the farmer scatters seed on four types of soils. And in verse 22, Jesus says, the seed that fell among the thorns, one of the types of soil, represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. We hear the word, but everything else that crowds in on our lives crowds it out, chokes it out, and that describes our culture to a T. Our lives are getting busier and more hectic than ever before. I remember years ago when we lived not in our last house, the house before that, shortly after we moved to Bloomington, I was mowing the grass, having quiet time. <coughs> quiet time behind a mower. That's, I guess it can be done because I did it. And this one part that I had to was like out across the road in front of the house was this lot, just blank, a, a lot, and that I was responsible for mowing, and it was full of dandelions, just full of dandelions. I mean, that field wasn't green, it was yellow. And I'm there with a push mower just, you know, going along in that. And God spoke to me. He said, get rid of the distractions from your life. Get rid of the distractions. The dandelions were, the, were distractions. The field was my life. The dandelions were that. He said, get rid of the distractions. We may be trying to see what God is doing. We may be trying to be a part of it, but find that his message is crowded out or choked out by all the stuff going on in our lives. Now, by that I am not saying, quit your job, go sit under a tree with your Bible, and don't move. I am not saying that. We all have things that we're responsible for. We all have things in our lives, and we all have busy lives. But every one of us also has things that distract us. Every one of us also has those things that, that, that crowd in and, and um, keep us from seeing what God wants us to see. And it could be a good thing. But here's the thing. A good thing that keeps you from the best thing is the wrong thing. The good thing that keeps you from the best thing is the wrong thing. So, let me wrap this up. This may seem out of the blue, but it'll make sense. I've never been a surfer. You can tell that, right? Catch a wave and yours, you know. I've never been a surfer. But I grew up, as you could just tell, listening to the Beach Boys and watching all the beach movies like Beach Blanket Bingo with Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello and, and, and you know, all of that. I grew up with all of that. For those of you that aren't quite as old as I am, just think Johnny Tsunami. Does that register with anybody here? Anybody here Johnny Tsunami? No? She remembers Johnny Tsunami. Yes, John would be the Johnny Tsunami. 
Susie remembers the, the, the yeah, Annette Funicello and, and uh, Frankie Avalon. Anyway, so while I'm not an expert, I do know one thing about surfing. A surfer is always looking and waiting for and anticipating the next wave to come along because he wants to catch it and ride it. A surfer cannot make a wave come. He just has to wait for it and be able to recognize it as it begins to build and position himself to be able to ride it. I have been in ministry for over 30 years. I've seen waves in the church come and go. I mean, in my lifetime, there was a Jesus People revival of the 60s. There was a charismatic, charismatic renewal of the 70s. There was a Toronto blessing of the 90s. All times when God's Spirit began to move in a powerful way. I believe we're entering such a season. I can see the wave beginning to build. I'm seeing signs that it's coming. I'm seeing God activity increasing. There's a stirring in the spirit. I believed it before, but even more so now. And I believe that, that we as this church are positioned in such a way to catch it and ride it. I believe there was a release of the Holy Spirit of, of Holy Spirit ministry this weekend with the prophetic seminar. That's not to say, well, if you weren't there, then you know you're you're out of luck. No, 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 no. I sensed a release of Holy Spirit ministry this weekend, and it's for the church. It's for the whole church. And the thing is, it's not come out of the blue. It's something we've been praying for, something we've been asking for, something we've been seeking God for. And, and not just this weekend, but, you know, in, in, the, in the, the past year coming up to it, like there's, there's, there's different signs, different things that God has done that, that was like, you know, it's like God is moving. God is moving. You know, it's, it's not a, a big, huge thing right now, you know, and I don't know what it's going to look like. But we've seen more Holy Spirit activity in the church, outside of the church, in one-on-one -on -one ministry. God has been moving. God is moving. And the wave is starting to build. And it's not just here. It's across the church as a whole. God is doing something in His church. He's doing something in this day. And I don't want to miss it. I want to be right in the middle of it. All that to say this, be looking for what God is doing in front of you. Don't miss something because you're looking for something else. Don't miss something because you're looking for something else. This is not a time to let ourselves get distracted. This is a time to catch the wave and ride with it. 
This is the time to press into the things of Jesus. This is the time to press into the things of the Spirit. This is the time to listen and press into the things that he's, that he's leading us into. That's what I want to do. We're a small church. Smaller since the pandemic. But you know what? Our church has never been healthier than it is right now. I've never seen God doing more in our church than right now. Many of you can't see it, I know. It's not because you're not looking. It's, it's because you just, you're not in a place to see. I see it as pastor. I see the things going on. I see the things happening and the things God is doing in people's lives. I see the puzzle pieces being put together. God is moving. We may be a small church, but you know what? How many people did Jesus have? Twelve. One of them didn't work out. Don't ever find yourself buying into the thought or to the lie from the enemy that because we're small, we can't have an impact on this community. God is going to be speaking us to, to us about how and about ways, about, about things that he wants us, uh, that he's going to invite us to do and to become a part of. And those are things that will have a much greater impact than anything we will ever realize or see. Let's stand. <clears throat> I want to invite you right now just to say yes to Jesus. Now, I don't know what that may mean to you. But I do know that God has something for you. Every single person here. Every single person that's watching the feed. God has something for you. The enemy can't stop it. There's only one person that can stop it. You. For me, it's me. But if I say yes to Jesus, and if you say yes to Jesus, there's no telling what he can do. There's no telling what he can do through you. So if you agree, just... Say yes to him. Father, I pray right now. I pray that you would stir our hearts. Cause us. Lord, begin to lead us into the things. Speak to our hearts about the things that you want us to begin to step into, that you want us to begin to press into. We may not understand it all. But Lord, we want to be faithful to you and we just want to say yes to you right now.
whatever you're saying to us, whatever you're calling us to. We may not see how it's even possible, but Lord, it is with you, and I don't have to see it. Help us to get rid of the distractions, to stop looking at the wrong things, and begin to look at you and what you're doing. Shatter the boxes that we've put you in. Shatter the boxes that we've put ourselves in, thinking, I could never do this. I could never do that. Well, I can't do this because of my limitations, because of this or that. Lord, just shatter those boxes. We don't want to be in a box. We just want to be in you. We want to abide in you. If we abide in you and you abide in us, we can ask what we will and it will be done for us. And we can step into the things that you have for us. We say yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Go out and have a great week, and keep your eyes open and looking for what he's doing right in front of you. God bless.